0: Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University Class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these turbulent, unprecedented, uncertain times, motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as to how you utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make in a resulting outcome the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models, role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time as the great resignation continues with many, many people leaving their positions in large organizations to start their own companies. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. His name is Kim Vidco. Kim is the author of How to F Up Your Startup, the science of why 90% of companies fail and how you can avoid it. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Kim.
1: Good morning, Greg. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, uh, the pleasure and honor are all ours. Kindly share with the listeners and me
1: from where you're speaking from this morning. I am situated in uh, Denmark, in Copenhagen right now. Wow. We
0: rarely have guests on (laughs) outside North America, so we've come international again.
1: So thank you very, very
0: much for making us international today and uh, for getting up uh, nice and early to be with us, that's for sure. Sadly, Kim, we've only got 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking about you, your incredible life, this massive, massive, unbelievable book here. So we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool, if that's okay. Now, from your bio, we know that you're a multi-time successful entrepreneur and at least a one-time failure, along with being an investor and now an author please share yeah. with us the sixty second story becoming a millionaire and then losing it all. What was the business and what happened Kim?
1: Yeah so and that, that that's a, a good and a terrible story at the same time. Uh, so this was back in uh, two, 2007 uh, uh, and and I was at that point uh, twenty nine years old and and realized that now I was actually at the point where I was a millionaire and I could you know, live off the interest uh, of what I've earned if I were to sell all of my assets and so on. So, you know, a big check uh, uh, on on the list there. And it fast forward to two years later, and and uh, I had you know lost it all. And and uh, sort of to, in in, a, you know, in more precise term, I had lost uh, uh, a, a several millions more than you know the average American will earn in a lifetime. And and um, And, you know, rock bottom sort of from a financial perspective. And this was, of course, this was at a time where, you know, stock markets were going down and a lot of things were happening at the same time. But I had also uh, been doing one of my my favorite F-ups being plate spinning. So I had been, you know, I was the CEO of an advertising company and I was starting an energy company at the same time. I had, you know, a beautiful uh, newborn baby daughter. We bought a new house, you know too many things happening at the same time. Wow. So, you know, I couldn't keep all of the plates up in the air. Uh, that, that was one of my mistakes on, on, a, on a vast list of many. But, but uh, you know, that, that of course motivated me at that point in time to figure out, you know, what, what's going on. First off, of course, how can I survive this uh, uh, and, and move on? But also it gradually made me sort of look at, so what went wrong and why did this happen? And, and sort of, you know, how can I avoid this in the future? So that was the starting point for this uh, uh, journey.
0: Wow, that is an amazing, amazing story. Now, clearly you've had your own successes and failures. What motivated you to research success and failure at other organizations, at other companies? Share with yeah. us, please, Kim.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so it, it, you know, in, initially this started out as, as a completely selfish project. So I, I wanted to learn from, you know, other founders sort of, what have they experienced and, and, you know, talking to other people, you know, the idea of failure is, is like, it's a taboo. People don't want to talk about uh, if they fail. They are, you know, all of our LinkedIn profiles are about the good stuff we've done. And, you know, everyone's uh, Instagram profile always shows uh, happy kids and, and, you know, nice dinners and not when it's raining. Right. <laughs> um, so, so little by little, I talked to more and more founders and they, uh, you know, uh, you know, mirroring my own story they told oh actually actually you know i had that failure here and i think this was what went wrong and so you know gradually i would sort of take these different components and and pile together and see okay uh, see where are the different areas of failure that that uh, you could run into and and so that that was sort of uh, uh, how that expanded and and over the years i've sort of applied a more structured approach to the, to this and I've actually, you know, gathered a, a lot of uh, companies in a database. Uh, right now, I have more than 160,000 different failed companies. So a, a huge amount uh, uh, to see, you know, what happens. So some of this is, you know, a, a numbers-based thing and, and uh, other parts of, of this equation of a ton of uh, interviews with founders. Wow. So that's, that's a, well, yeah, that's a setup. This is
0: totally amazing to me because I was going to ask you. Where do you find these companies and these CEOs to, to, to interview? Uh, how yeah. do
1: you do this? So so uh, if, first up, of course, when when you are a founder, and, and this would uh, any of the listeners uh, or many of the listeners out here who also either are founders or are you know contemplating starting a company, they they will also know a lot of other founders. Uh, so you know it, it's it's a part of uh, your network initially. Uh, um, but you know, little by little, I also started doing outreach into other uh, industries, for instance, you know, or other geographies and, and so on. You know, so interviewing people, saying, you know, okay, you you did a, a, a this IT company and that went wrong. What happened? And can you elaborate on that? And people have been very sort of open. Actually, sort of when you confront them and you bring your own story into this sort of uh, sort of you know th- that part of, of, of the setup, that actually makes them uh, want to reply and, and talk about it in a different way. I've I've experienced.
0: That's fascinating. That was going to be a next follow-up question. It sounds like the CEOs, they were not hesitant to be vulnerable and share the things they did well and the things why they failed. Wow, that's really something.
1: Yes, I think, of course, a part of that being that, that, that you know, if you bring your own story and, 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 and uh, uh, the honesty uh, around that, and, you know, back in the days when it happened, I wasn't, you know, uh, advertising that I've, I've gone wrong with this and that. It, it, that, took, that took some time also on my part to sort of uh, get to the point where I said, okay, you know, this is what happens. This is, this is the rule of startups. They fail. The vast majority, they fail. And, you know, being honest about that also, you know, enables us to, to discuss what happens and how can we avoid it. Well, that's
0: why the work you're doing is so critical because with this great resignation happening around the globe, Certainly, people are jumping headlong into their new business, but yet, as yeah. you say, the majority of them, the vast majority of them fail. So these tips and the expertise you're providing is really, really wonderful. Now, you've outlined eight reasons with great detail for failure, plus the unknowns. Is there one reason for failure which seems the most common, keyword? Or is it
1: really a mix of all of
0: them? Help us out here,
1: please. Yeah. So yeah. So, so exactly. So I, I've 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 taken more like a categories of failure, and, and I've I've looked throughout sort of you know the the life cycle of a startup, starting with the founder. You know your attitude towards starting a company, and 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 sort of how are you seeing yourself in this? And is this you know something born out of passion, or how is your time and 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 your sort of motivation towards this, and then moving through the different stages of a company, through you know business model to market research, funding, and and so on, and and so those uh, eight categories, uh, I I would say of course it's it's important. I talk about this as being you know uh, you're running a marathon, but you're doing this in a minefield, and and uh, so so that that is how, what is like doing a startup. It's it's a, a, a hard uh, 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 you know it's it's exhaustive and and. The risk being that you would um, step on of mine somewhere along the road, right? Wow! But 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 if, if I were to take sort of you know, ap- apart from my plate spinning as mentioned before, um, then um, I would say that one of the key issues um, uh, would be that a lot of founders they are are doing the effort of a problemless solution, so they have a great idea, uh, um, but it's it, it doesn't really maybe match a market need. So, you know, oh, okay, they wanna do this and that, but um, is it something that is born out of their idea or their passion for something, or is it born out of an actual problem in the market? And people tend to look at, you know, passion and not, uh, I, I would definitely suggest that you should look at, at problems instead. So find something that, that you know, bothers people. And that that's, you know, There you will find uh, uh, the seed of a startup.
0: Wow. Oh, that's fascinating, certainly. Now, some of the things you talk about, business models, market research, uh, Michael Porter's Five Forces Framework. I have an MBA in management, 1994, from Rutgers Graduate School of Management. I have to say, these are very intimidating for me. (laughs) <laughs> and I have an MBA. I'm not the smartest tack on the shop, that's for sure. But did you find a correlation between MBA owners and non-MBA owners? I'd be very curious, related to success and failure.
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, typically, I would say that there are two uh, types of successful founders. Uh, one being, you know, the the uh, your 23 year old who definitely doesn't have the MBA. Uh, uh, but they are able to know, you know, survive on cup noodles and and uh, uh, diet coke uh, uh, for an extended period of time. And then the other, the opposite end of that equation, you'll find the more experienced, you uh, uh, know, founder who uh, has a, uh, had certain jobs and a career and understand his/her category much better. And of course, uh, uh, they can't. They may have a, a family to support, and they can't, you know, uh, survive again on on, on nothing. But they bring, you know, of course, a, a different level of experience uh, to the game. So th- those two categories are, 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 are two versions of a very effective founder. Uh, uh, so you know, it, you, you don't need the MBA to go out and uh, and uh, establish a company. Definitely not. On the other hand, experience is of course valuable. So if you are, you know, if you're starting out a company in 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 you know, uh, I'm going to be an accountant, okay, uh, or start a, a start do a startup within that category. It, please go and get some experience first, right? You know, get a job at at your competitor or or something like that. Uh, that, That's that's definitely on the list of stuff that you need to do.
0: Wow. So as you say, that experience uh, would come in very, very handy, no doubt about it. Now, this is going to seem very obvious, but one of the great things about your book is that the obvious is not so obvious. And no doubt about that. How important is it to have a high quality, a really good product or service, Can
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, of of course, you might have again. You know, speaking of, of what what might seem obvious, you know, having the the, the good value proposition, the strong product is essential. Uh, um, I think that one of them, again, one of the, on, on the level of. What type of mistakes that people a lot is is uh, in the market research. So not uh, ensuring that that there is a market fit for this. Uh, uh, so that that is a, a, a key issue. And when when we talk about you know having a strong product, it's also an issue sometimes when when people are, uh, for instance, wanting to construct this the perfect product to start out with. So you know they would be you know. Uh, 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 in the lab, whatever it is, if it's a, you know, if you're doing a flower shop or a, a, an IT project or whatever, it doesn't really matter, but, but they would be, you know, uh, analyzing and fiddling with this, the product development part for a very long time. And then, you know, you know, release this uh, fantastic, uh, I call this big bang releases. Uh, and that, that is what you should be doing is kind of, you know, uh, what is called, you know, the MVP, the minimum viable product, which is a a popular concept within uh, IT. So release your minimum viable product. So this should be a product that is viable. So, you know, uh, if you're uh, within transportation, you know, okay, a skateboard is a viable product, but you don't have to wait until you have the car finished, right? And then, you know, you would start conceptually, of course, with, you know, with a skateboard and move on to the bike and then, you know, the motorbike and then the car, as opposed to, you know, you know, first making the wheel, wheels and, you know, adding doors and, and step by step uh, ending up with the car, because that way you're able to test out your market. So the, the, the thing that we really to balance all the time is, you know, is there a market for this? Are people interested in paying for this? Then let's back to, you know, our, our previous example of, of you know, the, the problemless solution. But people tend to know I'm gonna make this great app for kids, and it's gonna be great. And I have kids, and I-, I thought about this, and I've been tinkering in my basement for ages. And then they come out with this great product. Uh, maybe it's not very supported by marketing or anything like that. And ta-da, nothing happens uh, uh, because it, it doesn't. There isn't this uh, perfect fit with the market, right? And and that is a key issue. Wow. So yeah. So uh, so you know, having a, a good product is of course important but you should develop it. It it should be sort of evolved over time.
0: Maybe this is a very silly question, but how can someone at the beginning, I think you said before you have to do market research, really, even before you uh, maybe sell even that first viable product. How does an organization go about doing market research? Are there a couple of ways
1: to do that? Yeah, so so you of, of course you can you can do testing in a lot of different ways, uh, and and um, it, of course this depends a lot on your category. And uh, the the MVP approach that we just talked about, the minimum viable product, is one of those ways that you can actually test out a product. And say, okay, I'm going to invest some time, money, and effort into this product, uh, and then I'm going to see you know gradually, are people reacting to this in the way that I have hoped for, or is it like I don't want uh, this thing that would, uh, you know, make water boil faster. Why would I, or whatever, uh, 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 versus, you know, doing this full launch. As an example, for instance, when I was, uh, you know, testing titles for this one, uh, um, uh, I did, uh, you know, Google AdWords. So, you know, I, I the book wasn't out yet, so I would set up uh, AdWords and see which ads would people click. Them all. It, it's a simple, you know, it, it, if you're talking titles and stuff like that so I would just, you know, spend, you know, $100 or $200 on that, and just see which titles and which subtitles and and so on gets the most clicks, because at least that that, it doesn't tell you if it's the perfect title, but it does give you some data to work with. And it does indicate, okay, this is something that generates some interest, or, you know, is moving in a certain direction. And the same stuff can be done for a lot of products. So that's one way of testing it, right? Uh, uh, You know, pop-up shops uh, is another example. If you have you know, my physical product. That could also be a way. And, and, and so wow. test, testing is a, is a strong thing to do.
0: Ah, that could save a lot of time and money. There's no doubt about it. Now, sometimes we hear of a person, Kim, they have $200 to their name with an idea and now they're famous and wealthy and successful. Uh, were they lucky or did they most likely really do the right things behind the scenes? We, we may not have even heard of.
1: Yeah. So uh, um, to a certain extent, f- first off, there aren't that many stories of, the, of, of this. In, in I wouldn't moment. think so. Yeah. So, so you know, the, the, the narrative uh, that the media like to portray is like of, you know, the hero entrepreneur, you know, again, this 20 something year old kid who uh, brought, jumped out of high school with this great idea and a passion for something and, and went off and, and did the next unicorn. Right? That, that is, and and that, that makes for a great newspaper article. Thing is, of course, that it's highly unlikely that it's going to happen for me or you or anyone listening here. It is, that's just not reality. It, it is such a rare occurrence. So you shouldn't, uh, you know, bet the farm or anything else on that. W- what is realistic is of course, that say, okay, uh, if you uh, verify that there is a market for the product you are going for, and, and you, you shouldn 't in in my opinion and also of definitely based on the data you shouldn 't initially go for you know uh, the unicorn model you know don 't go for billions just go it 's much better to what I like to call as you know get comfortably rich as opposed to going ballistic oh, so, so oh, wow. find, find a market that makes sense uh, uh, test it uh, verify that there is a, a product. Do your MVP, ensure there's a problem, and, and you know, little by little, then it is a realistic thing to build a successful company. You still have the odds against you. And that is that, that uh, that's the reality of things. So you should expect, you know, failure is more likely than than uh, uh, success in all honesty. But you know, if you do this gradually, you'll you'll figure out, you know, where are the mines and, and how can I move in a in a positive direction with this.
0: Mm-hmm. Or that analogy of the landmines really, really is very empowering, no doubt about it. Now, as we know, not everyone is born a great manager. Are there some signs or solutions, Kim, that one may need some help to manage the great idea or the great
1: business? Yeah. So, so uh, um, other examples of, of uh, you know popular failures that 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 uh, you would run into is of course, if you are doing a company where uh, you are not uh, sort of uh, either passionate about uh, what is you're doing and or knowledgeable. So let's go back to the accounting example before, as an example, and you know, I would make the worst accountant ever because it's <laughs> not in my genes in any way, shape or form. Uh, but but if I thought, okay, this is going to be a great company, then as a, very, as a bare minimum, I would need a business partner who would be fluent in this and have a passion for it. And this isn't just something I could hire my way out of. I needed someone who is you know, on board on a managerial level, having equity in the company who wants this. Uh, and then I maybe okay, maybe I could do the IT part or the marketing part or something else. That, that, you know, in that, that situation, we have a strong mix. But I've also seen you know, uh, experienced founders running out to, to build a company uh, in a category where they didn't really care about, you know, uh, whatever it would be, but they just thought this is going to be a, a great way to make money. Oh. So, so, so if, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not passionate about it, passion alone isn't going to cut it, period. But on the other hand, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, uh, then... It's 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 too hard, right? It, it, oh. Success doesn't come over the weekend, so it's going to take you years before you hit black numbers and it's success. And and you know, working on something dedicated for, for years and years and years without having a passion for it, that's that's also you know against the odds. Sure,
0: sure. absolutely. Now it's interesting because uh, the book talks about it and it makes sense. Uh, sales is very very important, but when we talk about sales. You know, many imagine the stereotypical, annoying, less than truthful used car salesperson. What are the keys and importance, Kim, please, to, to doing sales well, if you will?
1: Yeah. So, so of course, uh, there are several things that, that you need in terms of sales. One thing is that, uh, again, in any company, you would need to bring, you know, sales talent on board. Uh, and that's just... Uh, you need that and, and you can structure that in different uh, number of ways. But another thing which is often forgot is actually not having the, the metrics for sales in place. So uh, if you're not sort of, uh, um, if you, you know, and sales metrics, that, that's, that is kind of the health check of, of your startup. So if, if you're not measuring, you know, what what is important, then it means that you can't improve on it and you, you don't really know what you are. And you know, the, the good old, you know, what gets measured, gets done. It is true. And it is so important for, for, for startups. Of course, you know, sales as a whole, we talked about before having a, a great product and evolving that over time. If you have, you know, two companies, one with a great product uh, and the other one with a slightly less great product, but better sales than the, you know, company number two might end up winning, sadly, wow. because that, that's not in our interest as consumers, but, but sales is also so important. And, and um, also, you know, in my opinion, uh, getting the sales early in the process is also important, not just for the revenue in it, but also again, for this verification from the market, which is again, back to our, you know, MVP, I, uh, the idea of the minimum valuable product, a uh, minimum, sorry, viable product, um, is also a way to sort of confirming that there is a need in the market for this. And that is also what sales will do, you know. If someone says, uh, you know, in, in your, if you if if you've done your AdWords and stuff like I say, do you want to buy this book? And they say yes, you know. Next up, get the credit card because that's a verification that they are, you know, telling the truth. And if if the product doesn't exist yet, then you know? Then will have to refund the money, of course. But 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 testing out all the way through and getting the sales is, you know, also proof. It's not just revenue; it's also proof that that your idea is working.
0: Oh, well, that makes total sense. Now, time is getting a bit short. We've got about seven or eight minutes, but I still have some important questions for you, Kim, if that's okay. Super, fire away. Thank (laughs) you. Growing pains are painful. That makes sense because they're called growing pains, but is there any way to make the transition easier from that tiny startup to the growing business?
1: Yeah, so uh, um, I think, Uh, there are a lot of uh, F-ups around the the growth category as such. Um, And and one uh, is uh, if if you've sort of, we've covered all the other areas, you've you've built a successful product, you've seen that the customers are there and you are building up on sales and so on. Then, you know, um, growing too fast can actually be an issue. And this, this it, it doesn't sound like something that you would wanna uh, sort of avoid almost, right? So, okay, just let, let's uh, take it away. But uh, uh, of course, you know, uh, again, your, your customers and your market would also be developing in, in a, an organic manner. So you need to sort of not just predict that everything is going to end up uh, up here uh, uh, you know, at, at the index 2000 uh, in, in no time. So, so uh, uh, ensuring that you're not growing your company too fast, this is an important terms of you know your your employees colleagues in terms of you know warehousing if you have a physical product or, or whatever supporting if you have a virtual product and just supporting your customers making sure that you're still delivering a product of a, a certain high quality and uh, uh, you know you mentioned porter uh, uh, five forces uh, earlier in our conversation and and paul as you know he did uh, books on strategy back in the 80s uh, but 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 still sort of uh I'm a big uh, uh, fanboy, and one sort of, there are some different uh, generic strategies that Porter talks about. You know, you can do a pricing strategy, meaning you're just the cheapest in the category, or you can do a a strategy where you're trying to differentiate yourself from your competitors. And, you know, for for 90% of people listening to this, you know, go for the differential strategy as opposed to pricing, because there's only one winner in the pricing category, the cheapest is the winner everyone else will be losing right but maybe you have a better quality or you deliver your product faster or you have a you know nice nicer set of colors or it tastes better or whatever differentiate your product in some way is a much stronger value proposition as opposed to price 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 so that, that that's that's a different one of the elements that i would be going for
0: Oh, well. Now, this is the month of May when we celebrate Mother's Day. And I'm thinking of my late mother on this next question because she never, never, never recommended partnerships. What's the fix when the partners, Kim, turn out to be the big problem?
1: Yeah. So uh, first off, uh, when you are in a situation where uh, the partners uh, turned out to be uh, the big problem, then, then, of course, it's potentially a little bit late. So, so uh, one of those things that, uh, so first off, by all means, you do need a partner when you're starting a company. So again, looking at statistics, if you are a solo founder, uh, it's just going to be a lot harder. So by all means, make sure that you have a co-founder. It's, it's a, that's also one of the F-ups in in the book, you know, called the missing co-founder. But uh, in terms of, you know, when you are in the situation where, where things have gone wrong, then, then. Uh, uh, I also talk about uh, you know messing up your cap table, your capitalization table, meaning that if you have other partners in here that have uh, that now have equity, uh, um, you know they are to be treated in 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 uh, you know in the same way as you are. So they may think that you're in it or whatever, right? So they own a part of the company now. So if you are in that situation, then then it is hard to get anywhere. And actually, in in the, in startup environments now, you have sort of a, a, therapy sessions for for partners in companies also happening now that that's that's a it's a thing now oh wow are sort of saying okay you know we are really not we are not uh, it's not working as we are as it's supposed to right but but uh so it, it's a complicated thing if the partnership isn't working then uh, you know maybe it's and an, uh, maybe it's possible to buy one out or the other or something around that but you know it gets complicated and and there isn't any easy fix for that so by all means you know Make sure that you are establishing a company with the right partners and, you know, not just, and by all means, also avoid friends and family. Make sure that you are picking someone because of their credentials and not because that you uh, love to play football or whatever with them. Mm. It has to be, uh, and you also need life after your company, right? So uh, uh, doing it with your friends and family means that if the company goes wrong, then, you know, friendship uh, up in the air and uh, yeah. Can't uh, recommend it.
0: That's great advice, certainly. We've saved the most important question for last, Kim. From where can our loyal listeners purchase this great book, how to F up your startup, how can they best follow you?
1: Yeah. So uh, you, you can buy the book in, in uh, uh, any sort of uh, uh, physical bookstore or, uh, of course, Amazon, which is the biggest one out there. Uh, and also you can buy it on my website, which is uh, Kim Witke, and I'm going to spell that in two seconds.com. Hey. K- K- i m h v i d k j a e r dot com and you can also the easy way of handling this is of course a quick Google right uh, so uh, uh, and by all means if um, there are any founders out there who either has a, a story of their own in terms of failure or anything like that I am actively collecting these and I would love to hear from you so so this is this is a, a, not just you know a, a one off project this is something that I'm I'm chasing today also and, and will be doing in the future also so that would be perfect to hear from listeners out there
0: oh that would be let me give this again k-i-m-h-v-i-d-k-j-a-e-r.com Please, listeners, reach out to Kim. Buy one of these for yourselves. And also, buy one of these if you know someone who's thinking of resigning in their company, their large firm or even smaller firm, and they're going to start their own business. Please, this is great reading before someone jumps into the deep end of the pool. Because if they do without reading this, it might be too late. And because 90% of these companies fail, and we want them to be in the 10%. After you've done buying this great book and following Kim, please, please, please don't forget about us. We're on the Tweet Tweet, Facebook, Snappy Chat, uh, Instagram, uh, now on the Tiki Talkie as well. Please, guess ideas, questions, comments, concerns, reach out to us as well. Kim Vidgar, thank you so, so much for being with us today. You've enlightened us, you've inspired us, and you've really given us great tips And I'm sure our listeners who are thinking of resigning and starting their own business understand much better all the intensity, all the complexities. Uh, They're going to buy your book, and they've learned quite a bit. I know I have as well and been inspired as well. Continued success, joy, and happiness and all this fabulous work you're literally doing around the world. Uh, Listeners, guess what? We're out of time. Greg's saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Kim does, you'll say. Thank God for Monday. Until next week for another episode of Thank God for Monday. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.